Hello, I'm Jennifer Thompson and you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. The program is Subject ACT and today we are talking pollen. And more specifically, we're asking the question, could a so-called thunderstorm asthma event like the deadly event in Melbourne last year happen here in Canberra? To discuss this, we welcome to the studio Professor Simon Haberley, an Associate Professor in ANU's Department of Archaeology and Natural History, who is also the Director of Canberra Pollen Count and Forecast. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Let's go back to November 2016, when there was a so-called um, record-breaking thunderstorm asthma ec- epidemic in Melbourne, during which 8,500 people sought medical treatment for severe respiratory distress and a total of nine people died as a result of that storm event. Let's um, unpack that statement, I think, first sure. First of all. The, the term thunderstorm asthma, can you take us through what happened that day from a scientific perspective? Um, how and why did the weather conditions impact pollen and asthma that day? Sure, Jen. It's a, it's a really complicated um, phenomenon and one that we know not a lot about but uh, we do know that it occurs for sure and it has occurred in the past um, on a fairly infrequent kind of basis but uh, but yeah the thunderstorm asthma event that occurred last year was really unprecedented it was huge it um, affected people very quickly over a very short amount of time and the emergency services and so on were really strained beyond their capability really given the given the number of people that are affected so it had had some uh, devastating uh, outcomes and consequences for for people um, so so yeah as it, from a scientific view we were obviously very um, curious to know what actually caused this kind of event and why you know what conditions come together to actually make a thunderstorm asthma event and um, and to, to really understand that we had you know people have to actually follow the 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 series of things that happened during the day, and obviously the key, the key elements were that of a thunderstorm. Um, and given the name of the epidemic, it's clearly related to thunderstorms. But we also um, believe that it's related to really high levels of uh, grass pollen in the atmosphere, and it's also related to some very unusual um, atmospheric conditions that react with that pollen. Uh, pollen grains to produce a, a cloud of very fine allergenic dust in the atmosphere that people are reacting to. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we think happens, but um, essentially the, the conditions for that to occur have to be really quite unique, I think, or, or special, and and those special uh, conditions are, are what we're trying to really understand, because it, it doesn't really happen that often. In Melbourne, it, it's been recorded maybe um, four times in the past. Um, roughly every seven to ten years um, there seems to be some sort of uh, thunderstorm asthma event um, and they've been also recorded elsewhere around southeast Australia as well so that the interest is you know will this occur again in Melbourne but also might it occur elsewhere across southeast Australia so this really was a record-breaking event it wasn't um, it, it wasn't something that we're simply more aware of now this really was a, um, a an unusual event mm. um, and just for, again from that scientific uh, perspective so I, I, my basic understanding is that um, certain grasses um, and plants have pollen or seeds um, that get released at certain times of, of the year That's and certain right. seasons um, 
But can you explain to us what what ha- what is actually happening with um, the atmosphere? I'm assuming something with mm. with a storm, and what is it doing to the seed that's or right, whatever it is that, that make the pollen that's making yeah. it different? Yeah, and that's the that's the really uh, interesting thing. What what is happening? Um, and what we believe happens is that normally when people uh, during spring, many people are uh, sensitive to uh, ryegrass in particular and other grasses, but the ryegrass, which is commonly found in many pastures around Melbourne and around Canberra as well, um, common pasture grass, and that produces abundant pollen, these little tiny spherical bits of uh, uh, pollen grains, and those pollen grains go into the air, get released by the flower and go into the air and pollinate. Um, that's their purpose. But, of course, to do that, they, they are a round sort of uh, spherical container um, that contains this really fine amount of, of, of protein-rich um, material that contains the DNA of the of the plant. So, so it's that really fine material. Normally, when you breathe in a pollen grain, you're just breathing in the the grain itself, and you might react to some of the allergenic um, elements that are on the outside of the pollen grain. But if through some unusual circumstances that pollen grain bursts and the interior material is actually uh, bursts out and and gets caught into the atmosphere or into your lungs, then that actually creates a much more concentrated amount of this allergenic uh, material and it can go much deeper into your lungs than than the normal pollen grain. This is what we think might have happened, that the normal pollen grains are are being trained up into the air, the atmosphere as the thunderstorm comes across. Um, the, the, material, the pollen grains get taken up into the atmosphere um, certain moisture and uh, conditions and electrostatic conditions possibly make these um, pollen grains burst burst their interior contents and that multiplies the amount of allergenic material in the atmosphere many thousands of times okay. um, and the other issue is that if that then comes back down to the, to the ground level as the thunderstorm moves forward um, then and th- strong winds and so on that were experienced in Melbourne. Those strong winds may contain this really fine uh, dust coming from the interior of the pollen grain, and people, um, we believe, were ingesting that or it, breathing it in um, into deep into their lungs, and this is perhaps what caused the the really unusual reactions. And people who hadn't necessarily suffered from asthma before yeah. actually did experience those those symptoms. Um, and is that the difference then too between? I understand you're not a, a medical officer, but is that your understanding of the difference between hay fever and asthma? So is it is it that hay fever is when it sort of like I said goes up into the the nose and sinus passages, but doesn't get down into the lungs? Certainly, the symptoms of hay fever are around the nose and yeah. eyes and and so on um, but yeah so there, there are there are some interlinks between you know mm-hmm. people who suffer from hay fever may also suffer from asthma but not necessarily um, but yeah that, so but asthma is a respiratory disease and that's uh, one that is really can be significantly impacted by pollen as well as hay fever is as well okay so um to, to stay in Victoria just for a, a, a little bit long and then we will move back into the, the Canberra-specific um, um, issues around this. But on the 27th of April, the Victorian government's response to the final report from the Inspector General for Emergency Management into November events in Melbourne um, 
included the announcement of uh, $15.5 million to support the Victorian State Health Emergency Response Plan. And some of that included um, community education and increased monitoring and interpretation of pollen data, um, which suggests to me the importance of public having an understanding of and up-to-date um, pollen forecasts, um, which is where you come come into this as well. So if that's the if that's the case in in Melbourne, let's um, then start take, looking at um, in the the Canberra aspect of it, but the Canberra perspective. Do you think that then is I guess firstly you think you were mentioning that yes this can happen. This does have potential to happen mm. in Canberra if it. Uh, hasn't happened before um, and uh, then that that community education aspect of it so I guess firstly has it happened in Canberra before to this kind of extent um, and is it likely to happen again um, yeah certainly that uh, uh, you know in terms of Canberra it is a it is a high potential that it could happen here and we have actually had some uh, evidence that uh, thunderstorms have been associated with heightened admission to emergencies in um, the hospitals regarding asthma. Um, so there is a couple of uh, papers out there that uh, document this kind of um, event happening in Canberra, uh, I think 2010 and maybe 2014. Um, so very much smaller scale though and not relating to, to deaths and so on, but people having, having severe asthma attacks um, during a day when there's high Grass pollen and thunderstorms around the around the city. So, so given that, there's every possibility that, uh, given the right circumstances, there might be a, a a much bigger event here. And I think it's very important, given the experience from from Melbourne, is that uh, cities such as Canberra are prepared and um, can understand what uh, might actually happen if if. Uh, this this actually occurs here, and and do we have the emergency readiness and so on to an understanding to um, to help mitigate any any problems that might occur? Sure. So um, when I moved to Canberra uh, in 2000, uh, before then I had never experienced hay fever um, in my life, mm. and I've lived in various places around the world. And I thought, and I must admit, I thought, oh, hay fever, it's not that big a thing. It's a bit of a cold. Mm. What are you talking about? And then, of course, moving to Canberra, um, I've been hit with hay fever ever yeah, since, yeah. and I now have a much more <laughs> sympathetic yeah. understanding yeah. Um, of it. And um, and so I guess that that carries on from that question about is my understanding then that uh, it has been that Canberra has been well, the capital of hay fever and so um, is it the similar kinds of grasses uh, that, that occurred in Melbourne, is it the, the rye grass that, is that right? That's, that that's right There's, uh, yeah, um, hay fever is really prominent in Canberra and, it has, and based on the evidence it seems to be the most people are affected by um, hay fever in Canberra one in, one in five I believe have this sort of response so it's a really high part of the population and One in five people? More, wow. than, more than anywhere in, uh, else in Australia um, so it is could be considered the hotspot for hay fever um, in, in this part of the world and one of the reasons that might be is that one we're inland we're not like Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane next to the ocean so if you've got an ocean next to you, you sea breezes tend to blow pollen away and so that might help reduce that um, so Canberra's landlocked if you like has grassland and uh, so on around it and but it also has this beautiful urban landscape which but many of the trees that are have the magnificent colours we see today um, also happen to be allergenic so things like the plane tree um, you know, 
elms and so on, all, all these yeah, European introduced trees that are planted around here. Many of them actually have um, sort of uh, allergenic properties and can cause hay fever. Uh, so. So there's a sort of give and take of uh, you plant a beautiful urban landscape, and but um, but yeah, there there may be consequences in terms of public health uh, related to the sort of aller- allergies that come from these trees. Okay, um, so much to think about. Mm. <laughs> um, so you're listening to Subject ACT. My name is Jennifer Thompson, and it's time for some music before we continue our discussion with Professor Simon Haverley about pollen in the ACT. Now, in searching um, for some tracks related to, to this story today, I came across a whole almost genre of songs about allergies. And one I'm going to play for you now is a song by Paul Simon called Allergies. Allergies to dust and rain Maladies, remedies Still these allergies remain Touch a guitar string, my fingers just burn and ache. My head exceeds with my bodily needs, and my body won't give it away. My heart can't stand a disaster, my heart can take a disgrace. But my heart is allergic to the women I love, and it's changing the shape of my face.
and that was Allergies, would you believe it, by Paul Simon. You're listening to TWX FM 98.3 and the program is Subject ACT. Today we're discussing pollen in Canberra with Professor Simon Haverley. So we've been discussing um, the event uh, that happened in Melbourne um, and now bringing it back to Canberra and uh, one of the things that came out uh, from the Melbourne report uh, was community education and, and raising awareness. Can you tell me a little bit about um, Auspollen? What is Auspollen and then what is Canberra Pollen Count and Forecast? Sure, yeah. The, the Auspollen initiative is something that's uh, emerged out over the last uh, two or three years where a group of researchers, including myself and colleagues in Melbourne and um, Tasmania, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, um, have come together and uh, tried to rationalise a way that we can actually get a uniform way of counting pollen and monitoring pollen in these in the major cities around Australia. Um, and in many cases, there's been uh, small, little, almost private, or um, some universities might run a short period of pollen counting, see what the is in the atmosphere. But there's nothing been systematically done. And so this is an attempt to really make things um, systematic and available to the public and uniformly done across across Australia. So it's a, in its early stages, but it's, I think it's timely given the things like the events of, that happened in Melbourne that uh, these kind of uh, capacity to, to see what's in the atmosphere, counting pollen and, and getting that out to the public on a daily basis. Um, is, uh, is really important, so we want to try and develop a, a, tech, a, a way of doing that and a way of doing it very effectively. So that's what we're, that Auspollen team, uh, kind of working, uh, working on across Australia to, to implement these kind of, um, yeah, uh, information and education uh, facilities for people to, to dip into and to use as, as, they, as they need. So Auspollen is then, I guess, the umbrella website, yeah. is that right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, the, the team of researchers and it, and it has a website, auspollen.com.au. <laughs> Fantastic. And then um, under that umbrella website, there is, um, which cities are covered? Is Canberra and Melbourne? Uh, at the moment, uh, it's actually Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra and Melbourne are okay. the key participants where we're actually rolling out uh, a range of uh, things such as... Um, standardised pollen counting but also uh, uh, apps that you can download um, in each city and those apps will give you daily pollen counts that um, will give you a, essentially a, a, an understanding of what the pollen is like and a forecast for the next few days. So I guess even if uh, um, you know, if we're living in Canberra but go to Sydney and mm. Melbourne and, and Brisbane then you can tap into that right. same kind of service. Um, exactly. There. That sounds good. Um, and so uh, tell me more about the Canberra pollen count and forecast. Yeah. Well, that's um, part of the thing I've been involved with. I, I did some pollen counting back in 2007 to 2009, and that was sort of an exploratory look at uh, trying to understand what was uh, in the atmosphere. So we did, did uh, three years of counting then, but then... Um, uh, through uh, yeah, lack of funding and so on. Uh, between then we didn't do it until about 2014 when we started again and so we have some support, university support and um, uh, to, to help us continue this work and and yeah we're, we're really and also now we're getting support from ACT Health as well to, to um, continue and, and make the count longer if you like. So we, we count uh, for six months the spring and summer period in Canberra um, and report those counts daily uh, 
we'd really like to make that a annual count as well, but uh, these things obviously cost money, so we're, <laughs> we're, we'll be seeking funding to do that. But, um, but yeah, at the moment, people can start to see these uh, information coming up 1st of September through to uh, the end of February. And, uh, and that, that's really because that's the peak time when particularly grass and other, other major allergenic plants are, uh, are flowering. And mm -hmm. so we can actually uh, daily count those um, count the levels of pollen using a, a pollen monitor we have based at ANU on one of the roofs of one of the buildings there and that we collect that daily and count it actually manually count the pollen identify it and tally up how much is in the atmosphere and this um, gives us a really good indication of the uh, of the of the season and the sort of peak events in in pollen and we really see things like grass really does start in the last week of September pretty much um, and then goes through and increases in October, peaks in November, so that November's the real critical period for really big pollen days, as it were, and perhaps if they were to coincide with thunderstorms, then that, that would be um, what we'd be interested in providing sort of warnings for people about. Um, but then beyond that, um, we also have a grass pollen periods in January as well, so there's a kind of... A, Secondary peak there, there that we believe is significant in Canberra. So, so yeah, we're beginning to understand the pollen for other grass pollen seasons here, um, but we also count everything else as well. So we're looking at um, a lot of the trees, the you know, plane trees and elms, as I mentioned, the pine trees, of course, produce lots of pollen. So we're counting everything to to get an understanding of the season, um, um, season seasonal differences between uh, different plants in Canberra and the pollen they produce. So, And all that information is now becoming available on our website, canberrapollen.com.au. So if people are interested and want to go and, and see the pollen calendar for Canberra, which we have there, um, and a whole other bunch of information about um, uh, different pollen types and when they occur, then you can find them all that information there um, on the website. And we have a Facebook and a Twitter um, feed as well so so please uh, delve into that and, and keep in contact because this is part of the we can do the science but we need to get the information about the science out there to the public and this is one of the ways we're trying to do that by providing through social media freely available information and, and so people can go to those places and, and explore for themselves what what's actually going on Absolutely, and we'll put uh, some, some links up also um, on the Subject ACT Facebook page and 2XX page also. But that website, again, canberrapollen.com.au and on that page you'll find links to the mobile app and all those right. other avenues for, uh, for information as well for the other states also. Um, now, I just want to pick up on something that you said then. You said that you manually count the pollen. Mm -hmm. Now, that just conjured up crazy images in my head of you sitting around with tiny little pinhead things and counting. <laughs> what, does, what do you mean by hand counting? Yeah, yeah no, that's, uh, well, it's, it's classic old school science in many ways. There's, there's a um, pollen monitoring uh, machine, if you like. It's a, just a machine that allows us to uh, suck air into a vacuum um, and onto a microscope slide at a set rate and that the pollen sticks on that uh, we pull that out um, during the day and count uh, the last 24 hours of pollen and so so it's a very um, it is a manual process and automating that process is is part of research that's ongoing but it's it's a very complicated um, area that still needs a lot of work so I'm not anticipating we'll have an automated pollen counter for a number of years yet but it's certainly an area that we're interested in exploring but 
to do the work, you actually have to um, collect the pollen from the atmosphere um, and then manually with a microscope, because uh, these things are, are microscopic. And, but if you multiply them by about 400 times, you can actually see their structure and identify what plant they've come from. And that's part of my expertise as a, as a what they call a palynologist, somebody who is an expert in pollen. Um, so, so yeah, that's uh, an area that uh, we can apply our expertise and, and count these pollen grains for the Canberra atmosphere. So, so we know we can tell people what's actually uh, in the atmosphere and what they're breathing in. Now, I'm interested in hearing what your relationship is with with pollen. I know, as uh, myself as a hay fever sufferer, pollen has become a bit of a, you know, a sore point for me. And <laughs> um, but I'm interested. Um, where did this interest in pollen mm. come from for you and why do you choose to spend your time and invest your time and energy yeah. on pollen? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as I said, I, my expertise is actually sort of in the area of, of pollen as a subject um, and pollen has many aspects uh, and I guess just to preface that I, I don't actually suffer from hay fever or asthma so I'm very lucky in that respect um, but uh, but certainly many friends do and um, I, I certainly understand the importance of, of knowing more about it but because um, there's several things because one at ANU we have these wonderful collections of that have been built up over 40 or 50 years of of uh, reference material and our department that I'm in, Department of Archaeology and Natural History, has this magnificent, the best collection of pollen uh, reference material on microscopic slides um, that we can go to and, and look at uh, pollen that's been taken from a plant and named and then we can see what it looks like and describe it. So that I use that uh, in most of my work actually in the area of archaeology and natural history where I use pollen that's been fossilised in the ground uh, to reconstruct past environments. So there's part of my area of research is looking at how Australia's landscapes have changed over hundreds and thousands of years um, yeah, since uh, before uh, people arrived in Australia some 40 or 50,000 years ago through to, to, through to the present. So that's actually my area of expertise. But because I have this uh, knowledge about pollen, I can apply it in many different other fields and the area of what they call aeropalynology, which is the study of pollen in the air and hay fever, um, is uh, an area that we've, we're using our skills to to get into and provide a service and I think it's 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 an amazing um, thing that uh, you can get the opportunity to do that you're actually um, provided that opportunity at a place like ANU to explore and, and do interesting things and I think this project is a good example of how you can um, really provide really good information for the public uh, through through the skills you've learnt as a scientist. And obviously there's there's so much more we could talk about in regards to, to pollen, not simply hay fever and, and asthma and things like that, but of course, you know, we can bring in the whole topic of bees. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, maybe I need to make friends with pollen again. <laughs> yeah, <most> <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're listening to Subject ACT um, to FM's Current Affairs Program, where we cover everything from politics and education to arts and entertainment. Thank you for tuning in today. To today. You can listen to this program and other podcasts at soundcloud.com slash subject ACT. Subject ACT is on from Monday to Friday, 8.30 till 9am and don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Professor Simon Haverley, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jennifer Thompson. Have a great day.